praise God, praise God. your name we bless your name we bless your name praise the Lord well once again I want to welcome you to our Wednesday night service and there are so many songs we can sing about Jesus and so many titles we can give him as a matter of fact I think we have um, a list of all the names of God and the titles of the that's attributed to Jesus. I like a few. He is the bright and morning star. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, but then he's also the Lamb of God, which was slain before the foundation of the world. Tonight we are singing, He's my King, and right now he has to be our Savior before he can become our King. Jesus is so much to us unless we fully understand him we will come to a place of not being able to incorporate his characteristics his nature and some of the things that he manifests in his life it's wednesday night i want to look at a few scriptures here the lord help us and the first one 
I'd like to look to look to is in Revelation tells us more about Jesus and that's because we were singing about him tonight here in Revelation the very first chapter of Revelation and we looked at this some I think over the past weekend uh, we were looking at a scripture in Revelation where uh, it's talking about Jesus but this first part of Revelation um, the book of Revelation is titled in the King James Bible the revelation of Saint John the Divine this morning I encountered two wonderful ladies I was out it was a beautiful day I was waiting for a delivery truck to show up and it took some time and so I put a chair out on my driveway uh, in the Sun somebody asked me what I'm doing in the Sun I said I'm trying to get a tan but um, then comes these two wonderful ladies neatly dressed come up and I knew who they were I knew they were Jehovah's Witnesses and um, they were coming to witness to me and I said hi how are you doing I greeted them very politely and to make a long story short by the time they left when they were they were leaving they turn around and says it was such a pleasure meeting you and talking with you in less than five minutes I made sure that they understood that the Word of God was on my lips and uh, there was nothing they can tell me from the New World I didn't tell them this mm -hmm. from the New World Translation which is the Bible they use that I was not acquainted with and they started by telling me about a scripture in Matthew's Gospel which tells us about the kingdom of God being established I did not feel I needed to be obnoxious because you should never spread the Word of God in an obnoxious manner uh, if you're talking to people let them see your life more than hear your voice and so I was planning I was hoping that God helped me to do that and so while they were talking to me we talked about a lot of things and the subject of God came up and uh, she was showing me a prayer Jesus made Jesus was saying about his Heavenly Father and how he would establish the kingdom so I said isn't that beautiful that Jesus and I stopped I said who do you pray to and the one lady she says we pray to Jehovah I said well you know you look at Jesus in the New World Translation Bible he prays to the Father he has never used the word Jehovah but he prays to the Father of course before they could feel bad and and feel um, I was attacking them I said of course he knew he was praying to Jehovah when he said our father which art in heaven I said but I've learned to I've come to the place of learning to pray to the father understanding that I'm praying to Jehovah I said to them I said years ago I'm uh, there was a couple of gentlemen an older man and a young one in training I guess that came to my house and uh, they knocked on my door and I opened the door and I said good morning gentlemen I knew who they were and um, I said um, you're here to share some 
material with me? They said yes, and they whipped out the Awake magazine. And I like, I, I haven't read the Awake magazine for maybe five years, but when I used to get the magazine and I used to read it, I loved their simplicity. Uh, they, the way they presented the gospel was like the way Jesus presented the gospel. Today, ministers uh, make the gospel very complicated. And I made a statement over the weekend, if I'm going to read the material you're providing and I have to get a dictionary to read it, I wouldn't read it. I would never read a religious material or a sermon or a message being preached if I need a dictionary. My mind is simple. I'm a fifth grade. Um, and so I like to read simple. I said, you know, Jesus was very simple in presenting the gospel. He taught so children could learn. And today the gospel is meant to exalt the preacher. A lot of times the gospel is for the preacher's exaltation. So when he's done presenting the gospel, people can say, that was a good message. They did not hear a single thing in their hearts, but they think you shouted enough and you made a lot of noise and you quoted a lot of verses of scripture, so you've got to be a good preacher. And so I looked at these women, and every day I like to meet individuals, every day I like to see people. I like to make people feel like there's something that I can offer them in my spirit that would help them to see light and give them a hope in the future. And so I told these two ladies standing there that these two men that knocked on my door. One was an elderly man training a younger one. This was about 15 years ago. Uh, maybe 15, about 15 years ago. The younger one, his name was Jeff. And so I stood up there and I said, gentlemen, uh, thank you. I think you're doing a good job spreading your gospel. Uh, in the street, I wish that my people will do a good job spreading the gospel. I wish, I told them, those two gentlemen, I wish the people, I'm a pastor, and I wish the people I pastor would be as faithful as you are in spreading the gospel. And they were very pleased. I said, but I got one question. I said, I'm concerned about the name of God. I said, what is his name? And you ask a Jehovah's Witness, and he knows that every Jehovah's Witness know that answer. His name is Jehovah. I said, that's wonderful. I said, now here's my question. Is, was there a time that God lived by himself? I hate to use the word live, but was there a time when it was only God that existed? And they said, yes. I said, why did he need a name? A name is given for identification. That's what I told those two men 10, 15 years ago. I said, a name is given for identification. Why would, a, would God need a name when he didn't have anyone to call him? I said, did he assume a name or did he have a name? Why would he need a name if there's no one else around? You don't need a name if nobody is going to call you. And so the older man, he looked at me, says, we came to preach to you. You're not going to preach to us. I said, that's fine. Uh, you want back your magazine? They said, no. I said, if I give you a magazine, would you read it? They said, no. 
I said, here, take back your magazine, I wouldn't read it. So those days, 10, 15 years ago, you know, I was a little bit more not nice. So these two ladies that came to me, I was nice to them. And instead of them answering, I answered the question for them. I said, you know, I pray to the Father, understanding He is Jehovah. I understand that. But I'm praying to the Father because Jesus did. And He said, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven. I said, now, now I know that you, you know, you have a theory that you work with. I said, um, you know, but, but when I'm thinking of God, I am looking forward to the establishment of king, the kingdom of God. They said, oh yes. I said, this world is very evil. Now I wanted, I know that they believe that the kingdom is already started. And so Jehovah's Witnesses would go around and convert people and slowly have enough Jehovah's Witness to cover the earth. Um, I didn't tell them that, but I knew that's what they believe. I'm going to tell them good stuff today. And so I spend some time and we talk about God and we talk about how faithful God is and how wonderful God is and how God has changed my life. And I testified. I uh, Chandri peeked out and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm talking about you to these people. And um, um, I told him how we need to make sacrifices and continue to serve God in the midst of the world that's gone crazy. And they agreed with me that the world is gone crazy. That the world is, is, is continuously deteriorating in its moral standards. And I said to them that I pray that God's kingdom will come, like Jesus said. Thy <coughs> kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Today it's not God's will being done, it's man's will being done. Uh, God's will is scarcely being done in the church. I'm waiting, I'm waiting faithfully. I said the word faithfully because I'm waiting faithfully to see the kingdom of God established or to see the church have people that are faithful. Uh, speaking of the word faithful, our Savior is faithful. And here in Revelation, the first chapter, it tells us about him. Revelation, the King James translators titled it the revelation of Saint John the Divine. That's not true. John is not Saint John. And this book is not the revelation of Saint John. Uh, verse 1 tells you the revelation of Jesus Christ. So whose revelation it is? The revelation of the, or the open appearing, uh, to rev the revealing of himself. It's the revealing of Jesus, not John, not any other man. And so when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking... That in the book of Revelation, now I never we went into a commentary or try to find out, well, what's the history of this book? How long is it? The margin in my Bible tells me 8097. And so this was probably when John was on the island, the, uh, island of Patmos, when he was in the, that penal colony. But wherever he was, he wrote the book of Revelation. And he didn't write it in English. I'm glad somebody translated it in English for me. Uh, so do I expect this translation to be exactly perfect? No. I scarcely speak a perfect English language. So I'm looking at this. But 
As God touched John to write, I pray that God will touch me to decipher or to explain or to understand what he's writing about. And there's some basic things here that I'm glad about. And it tells me, when I look at this, it says, A revelation of St. John the Divine, which God the Father gave him. God the Father gave the Son. I read a little quotation from a child. A child, somebody was making a little stuff up. And they put a little child asking the question, Why would God, the child was asking, Why would the Father become the Son to see himself die? And then resurrect himself and become God again. A little child was asking that question. Well, I don't have that problem because I don't believe the Father is the Son. And I don't believe the Son is the Holy Ghost. I believe the Father is a distinct and separate entity from his Son. But uh, false religion and false dogma has brainwashed a lot of us living today. That we come up with pagan ideologies and come up with the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of oneness. I believe the Father is a separate entity from His Son. And John, whoever is writing here, verse 1 to 3 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, give unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, when I'm reading this, I know John is not writing this. John is not writing verse 1. Somebody is writing and telling you what is about to happen when John is about to start writing. And so this person is saying, this is a revelation the Father is giving to the Son. And he's sending it by an angel to his servant John. So I rule out verse 1 as being John. Uh, it says, Who bear record of the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus Christ. Of all things that he saw. Uh, John will tell you what he sees. And what uh, the testimony was. So this person introducing the book of Revelation is telling you what is about, uh, we are about to read. It's about John receiving this message from an angel. And he's supposed to spread this message out. Are you following me, students? All right. It says, blessed is he, the same person is writing, blessed is he that read it. It is good to read the book of Revelation if sometimes you don't understand it. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. So you're blessed tonight to join me in looking at some of these verses. And keep. I believe the word keep is guard. You guard this book. You don't let it go fall into the wrong hands. You try to keep it as much as you possible. There's not much you can obey in this book. But there's still a few things you can obey. To keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Now we come to verse 4 where John starts to write. Verse 4 is the commencement of John's writing. And John says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now a lot of preachers have chosen to use the seven churches as seven church ages. Well, every man is entitled to do what every man is entitled to do or every, what every man wants to do. 
I'm looking here at this point in time, and he says these churches are. Everybody say are. They're present when John was writing. They were present in Asia Minor. And he says, he's writing to them, and here's what John is saying. Grace be unto you. Now, when Paul is writing, Paul uses the same salutation, greeting salutation, uh, addressing the people salutation. Hold your finger in Revelation chapter 1, and let's check Paul out. Let's go back, for example, to the book of Galatians. And Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia in chapter 1. Or you can choose whichever one of Paul's writings and you'll see that he addresses the same issues. In chapter 1, he says here in verse 3, Paul is using a greeting salutation. A greetings. He says, Grace be to you. And peace from God our Father, God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't say greetings to you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, no, greetings from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, I want someone in this congregation to choose another uh, book, that uh, epistle that Paul wrote. Randomly. Someone. First Corinthians. So thank you, Sister Carol. I'm going to First Corinthians. And we look at the salutation in First Corinthians. While I'm looking at that, someone else choose another one. In First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul is writing again. And Paul says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was not a Trinitarian and he was not a oneness. Is there a word like tunis? Well, he was a tunis. Uh, somebody else choose another letter that Paul wrote. Ephesians. Ephesians. Let's go now. Uh, skip by past uh, Galatians. Come back to Ephesians. You just randomly choose Paul's writings, and at least the translators did not mess this up. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound like a Trinitarian? No. Does it sound like a oneness? No. But you want to get confused? Let's go back to Revelation now and see what John is using. And John is a wonderful man. And he was one of the faithful ones that did not die, uh, you know, like quickly. He just did not uh, die like the rest of the disciples did but he <clears throat> John was the beloved we call him the beloved and I'm looking at second John second John just a page before revelation and in second John John and we dealt with this last weekend where John says the elder the older man to the elect lady he called the church the elect lady and I'm praying I preached a few lessons but I'm praying and today, while I'm getting dressed for church, I'm thinking, you know, I'm t taking a shave. And ever so often, I'd like to um, uh, sneak on into church without taking a shave. Because, you know, it's not an easy thing. If your sisters have to shave, you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. It's not easy to shave every day. 
And so, after many, many years of shaving and using all kinds of creams, uh, this old man now, he shaves with just plain water and a razor. I discovered that I don't need shaving foam and cream. I discovered you splash your face with water and you shave. And then you can catch every stub and every hair. And then uh, Sister Chanry would know, I look in the mirror, I said, I'm going to church tonight. And if my nose hair is longer than my regular hair, I got problems. So I look and make sure that when I look at the mirror, I don't have hair, mustache growing out of my nose. And so I make sure that's cut. I have a little equipment that cuts that and I make sure I don't have hair growing on my ears. You know, like I look like I'm Batman or something with a bigger ear. And so I make sure I am dressed princely. I preach a princely gospel. I preach a gospel that tells me I must be an overcomer. I know deodorant cannot do that which a shower can accomplish. Are you all listening to me? I'm still preaching the gospel. I know that <clears throat> when I, when I'm, you know, and ever so often I tell you a little bit about myself and somebody says, why are you telling them about yourself? Because if you know me, you'll understand my gospel. In my little bathroom that I'm there, of course, of course, in that office I have a toothbrush and a kit. Uh, in my car, I, now I don't carry a toothbrush in the car, but I used to. But um, in my bathroom, in the house that we live in, we have three bathrooms. Uh, one powder room, two regular bathrooms. Everyone has a kit with toothbrush and all that I need. To, if somebody's occupying one, I don't use a bread mint. I use a toothbrush. In the real master, master bathroom, I have three toothbrush in one bathroom because when one is wet, I can't use that until I, it's dry. And then I have in my little cupboard an alcohol bottle that I ever so often I soak these brushes in alcohol, pure alcohol to get rid of germs. Why are you saying all of that, Brother Singh? Who you learned that from? Nobody. I just grew up having principles I lived by. They're simple principles you live by because I serve a great king and I hope one day to be a prince in his kingdom. And so it's necessary not to overlook simple things in life. And John, when he's writing here, the same John that is writing Revelation, he says in 2 John to the elect lady, and then he comes down here in verse 3, he said, Grace and peace, grace be with you, and mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. Just in case you didn't know, he is the Son of the Father, not the Father that became the Son. He is the Son of the Father. The doctrine of the Trinity is a lie. I haven't said that for a long time, but you hear it today. The doctrine of the Trinity is a lie. But you saying, you don't believe in the Father? Yes, I do. I believe in Him probably more than a lot of people. Do you believe in the Son? Yes, I absolutely do. 
<clears throat> do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do. But here is our problem. Revelation chapter 1. John now is writing, and he's going to really give us a bit here to think about. He says, John, verse 4, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Who is he talking about? The Father. The Father occupies eternity without a distinction of present, past, and future. So he said, greetings from the Father, from the Father who is, which is, from him which is, and was, and is to come. He occupies the past, he occupies the present, he occupies the future. He created time, so he occupies all time. And it says, then he goes on here and says, which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Oh my God, now we got trouble. Uh, it's one thing to set a Holy Spirit. It's another thing to find a seven spirits before the throne. Well, because John is having a <clears throat> revelation and he's having a vision of a throne in heaven. He's not literally seeing anything, but he is seeing in a vision. He says, this vision, he's seeing a throne, and before the throne, he's seeing seven spirits. Not one, seven. And he says, and not only from the Father and these seven spirits before the throne, he says, and from verse Five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, uh, and the first begotten from the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. I like how he takes time to describe Jesus. He says, I'm going, that, going over that again. He says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, He's not only the first in, revel in, in, in creation, he's the first begotten from the dead. The Father has never raised anyone up and given them immortality before he raised up Jesus. Now I know we're, we're short on time here, but uh, hold your finger in chapter 1, skip over one page in your Bible <clears throat> to chapter 3. And... Um, it says there in chapter 3, verse 14, when he writes to the, the seventh of the seven churches, he says, And unto the angel, verse 14, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things. Remember, the letter is coming from Jesus to the seven churches. These things set the amen. The faithful and true witness. Let's stay. Remember that word faithful and true witness. Because I think I need to talk a little bit about that here tonight. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. He says when God was creating the world. The first one he the first individual or person or thing he ever created was his son and verse 6 14 is telling you that so this keep that in mind 
He's the beginning of the creation of God. In original creation, he was the beginning, the first one God made in creation. In resurrection, he was the first one God resurrected. All right? Are you following me? Uh, now, let's support the concept of creation, first of all. And so I'm leaving Revelation, coming back here in a minute. And I know simple minds are here tonight, and I love simple minds because I love to teach simple things. And in John's Gospel, we're dealing with John tonight, in John's, the Gospel of John, he describes it like this. He says, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, he's calling Jesus the Word of God. Revelation 19 calls him the Word. He's called all kinds of things. But here is one terminology that is used to describe him. He's called the Word of God. And so it says there, uh, in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the Father. Now all we see two entities, we established that earlier in this service, that there's a Father and there's a Son. The Father is the God, the Creator, the original Creator of all things. He dwells in a light which no man can approach unto, which no man has seen or can ever see. And so, John it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, I would be right if I say, a God. Now, a God does not mean you're immortal and you cannot be put out of existence. The word God here is describing someone that creates. So was Jesus a God? Yes, he was a creator. Anyone that is creating is described as a God. And so this is wonderful. The same was in the beginning with God. All things. How many? All things were made by him, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it goes on to tell us about Jesus. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now leave Rev. John for chapter 1 of 1 John. And turn back with me here, to turn forward with me, to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And let's establish this a little bit more. We're understanding a little bit here tonight, a little bit more about Jesus, uh, the Son of the Father. And so, in, Revel in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is writing, he says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things, verse 4, that was offered to, in sacrifice unto idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is none but God. None God but one. Uh-uh. Brother Singh, I got you. I'm a oneness. There's not a God but one. I got you, Brother Singh. I got the Trinitarian and I got you. No, 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 you didn't get me. Let's find out. Don't just take a verse out of context. I've seen many of our preachers done that. Take a verse 
out of context. The other day I posted on Facebook uh, when it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. A lot of preachers memorized that verse and they used it. Uh, when they want to say, well, I want to have a good service here with a lot of miracles. And I can do all things with, through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, if you go back and find when that verse was uh, written, Paul was talking about how he was suffering. And he was appreciating the church for helping him. And he says, I learned to have and to do without. I learned to be full and learn how to hungry, to be hungry. He says, I learned to suffer. And believe it, my friends, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If I take that out of context, just to boast up some miracle ministry I got, I'm a hypocrite. I have handled the word of God deceitfully. It is important to check around and see what other scriptures said. Because Isaiah said here a little and there a little. And so verse chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. It says there is not God. The last part of verse 4. God but one God. And then it goes down further. For though they be called gods. Now why did Paul say there is none God but one? He was directing these pagan worshippers of many, many gods that we're serving one God. It's not debating the Godhead. He's debating the concept that we're not serving a million gods in some wilderness. Our God is one God. That's what we're serving. And then he goes on to tell you, but though there be many, there be that are called gods, but though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us, every one of us read this with me tonight, but to us there is but one God the Father, one God the Father, of whom he wants things happening. Whatever his will is, that is what will happen. Of whom are all things, and we in him. And in addition to that one God, it says, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things. So we are learning that he was the firstborn in creation, and nothing else was created without him. So the Father made the Son, and <clears throat> the Son made everything else. Is that very simple? Is it understandable? All right. He says, so verse 6, But to us there is but one God, the Father, and of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus, by whom are all things, and we by him. Are we understanding where we're going? And so, it's important that we understand these things. And so when Paul is writing uh, to, uh, to his churches, he's describing uh, one Father, one Son. And uh, we know one Spirit. But here in Revelation chapter 1, it tells us, about, uh, tells us about seven spirits before the throne of God. Now John did not understand all the depth of it because he was having a vision of things to come. And he saw things that he could not even explain. Just write it down like it is. 
And so this vision of him looking at the throne in heaven and uh, before the throne were seven lamps of fire burning which are the seven spirits of God described and on the next to the throne was the son uh, the son of the father and so John when writing this <coughs> he's describing uh, this wonderful thing here and then he says here in verse 5 and from Jesus who is a faithful witness and the first begotten from the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He's talking about a faithful and true witness and Jesus is that faithful and true witness in verse 5. Uh, over in chapter 19, uh, further on in the book of Revelation chapter 19, uh, Jesus, we're talking about Jesus tonight, a little bit about this faithful Jesus. In chapter 19, it says there when John is having chapter 19, we're not even getting into that, in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he says in verse 11, And I saw heaven open up in this vision, and a white horse. Is that horse for real? No, it's not. It's a symbolic vision. And he that sat upon him, when Jesus is returning, riding on a white horse, it's an indication that he's bringing peace to the earth. Uh, he is called the Prince of Peace. But to establish peace, he must first of all uh, have a war that eliminates the rebellious individuals. But when he's coming, he is riding in a vision, not for real, but in a vision, a white horse which speaks of peace. And he that sat upon him had a name. It was called Faithful and True. Now, when I spoke to the Jehovah's Witness, I told the lady, I said the name Jehovah is describing the nature of God. And there are different aspects of the word Jehovah. As God becomes a savior, the aspect of Jehovah is changed. As God become a deliverer, the aspect of Jehovah is changed. As God become a father, the aspect of Jehovah is changed. God becomes whatever is necessary. There is none name given under heaven whereby a man must be saved, but at the name of Jesus. Today, God is using a name to save individuals from their sin. There's none other name given unto heaven whereby a person must be saved. We're living in that period of time where God is saving individuals. He's not defending us uh, from some foreign enemy, but he's saving individuals. And so he had a name written, faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. The Prince of Peace is making war? Yes. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head many crowns, which is all symbolic, uh, describing a crown, describing conquering a nation. Uh, if he conquers Canada, uh, because Canada is rebellious, he has a crown. He conquers America, because America is rebellious, he has a different crown. Upon his head, uh, he has um, many crowns. And he had a name written, which no man knew but himself. Beyond all that mankind knows, he has a name written, which no man knows but himself. Isn't that wonderful? We're talking about a faithful and true witness. Jesus 
the faithful and the true witness. And so this is so beautiful and so important. But that's what Jesus was. He is still the true and faithful witness. He is the Lord of Lord and we can use all kinds of individuals. But what is important here is he has set an example of being faithful. Have you learned how to be faithful? In John's writing, and I've got five minutes to wrap this up. So let's look at a few verses of scripture here to help us to see how we can be faithful. And in, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, uh, Jesus told a parable. And when that parable comes to an end in chapter 25, uh, when this parable comes to an end, the parable where this kingdom of heaven, verse 14, is like unto man traveling into a far country. It's like the Lord Jesus uh, going back to his father in a far country. And before he left, he gave gifts unto men. And when he went, uh, he delivered his goods unto his servants. And to one he gave five talents, verse 15, and to another two talents, and to another one talent. And you know the story of the talents, how the one that had the five invested all five and gained five more. The one that had the two talent invested all that he had and gained two more. Uh, <clears throat> and the one that had one hid his talent. And so it describes the church age that we're living in. Uh, some individuals, whatever talent you're given, you've got to use that talent. And that is the reason why we have an empty church on a Wednesday night and just maybe about 18 people. I'm not even sure if we have 18, maybe 14, 15 people here tonight. It's because talents are unused. A person <clears throat> might be called to be faithful in a certain way and because of unfaithfulness. And we are faithful to the job. We are faithful to family business, we are faithful to the ungodly, we are faithful in taking care of ourselves, but few individuals are faithful to the church. And when the talents is all done, the Lord said here in verse 21, and the Lord said unto the man that did use all his talents, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, just like Jesus is called the faithful and the true witness, God wants individuals in the church to be true and faithful. It is one of the things that is necessary. And in, in verse, verse 21, he says, Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I'll make the ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so when you understand, there will be rewards given to some of us, not because we are, on a, we are just a Sunday Christian, but rewards are given because we deserve the rewards. Uh, when it says faithfulness, now listen to me carefully. Faithfulness in the wrong activity does not bring spiritual benefits. Faithfulness into that which God has commissioned will develop a spirit of maturity and Christ-likeness in your life. The Lord did not ask you to be faithful because he liked to punish you. He asked you to be faithful because it, 
it develops a spirit of commitment and dedication. Practice makes permanent. And when you start to face the negatives and defeat the negative circumstances to be faithful to God, you would be rewarded. And for that to happen, Paul says in 2 Timothy, he writes to Timothy and he tells him what is necessary here in 2 Timothy. He says, And the things that are, verse 2, And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses. And this is so hard for individuals to understand that when God raises a pastor, listen to him. Now listen to me carefully. I wish to God there was no Bible. I wish to God there was no Bible. This book that is meant to save you, I'm holding it up, can be your greatest downfall and it can be your greatest deception. It can be that which distracts you from the word of God being preached. When Paul stood up to preach, there was nobody with a scroll. When Jesus stood up to preach, there was no reference someone can get and make all kinds of reference. No, they had to listen to his words. And if they listened to his words carefully, his words was spirit and life intended to save. Not a commentary. Not Isaiah. Not Jeremiah. Present truth is what is delivered to the present congregation. And what is difficult is whoever is delivering it, God only uses simple individuals. And when he even sent his son, they could not accept it. And so they were destroyed, rejecting truth when it comes in a simple form. And those of you that are privileged to listen to what is said, remember what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, And the things that I was heard of me among many witnesses, don't change it, young man. The same. It is so difficult for individuals to say, Brother Singh said, Even when I say what Isaiah said, that's not what I say. What I say is the little stories I tell, like the one this, about what happened this morning. And when those two ladies walk away, they turn around and thank me. I made their day. And I tell them, I said, anytime you pass, pop by. Because what you're intending to do, Brother Singh, I'm intending to sow seeds in their hearts that they would somewhere down the line when they were walking out I said remember Israel was God's people the literal kingdom in the Old Testament was God's people but they needed prophets because they were always wrong the possibility of error lies with every one of us that's what I left the word in their heart who did save them I don't know God saves I just preach and Paul says, when you're ordaining individuals, he says the same, don't change it, commit thou to faithful men. Faithful means men that are not fickle. 
Today they serve God, till tomorrow they're not. Saturday night they're in church, Sunday they're not. Faithful is I don't care what the world does. You're serving God faithfully, in spite of the odds. That is what develops your spirit. That is what makes an overcomer your dedication and your faithfulness. But I have a lot of problems. We all have problems. But what will save you is your faithfulness to that which God has commissioned into your heart to accomplish. You might be cleaning the bathroom. Be faithful in that and you'll receive your reward because the talent varies. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How long do we be faithful? One last scripture and then I'm finished. I know I ran beyond my time, but um, I'm going to start doing that more often. And um, um, the, the, this is so beautiful. And it says here in, sec, in Revelation chapter 2, one of the churches I really love, and maybe we'll talk about some of these churches if the Lord help us, but it's the church of Smyrna. And the church of Smyrna reminds me of our church. Because this little church reminds me of the church of, the church of Smyrna. Because we're not rich. A lot of times I can't go to a meeting because I can't afford it. A lot of times we can't accomplish things because we can't afford it. We're a poor church, materially. Are we glad God gave us a good building? It creates a good impression in the neighborhood. But we are a poor church. Smyrna was a poor church. But God said to Smyrna, unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things said the Lord, the first and the, and the last, this which was dead and is alive. First thing I know about you is your works. I know your works and I also know your tribulation, your hardship and I also know you got no money in the bank. God says, I know that. He says, but you're rich in my eyes. Money in the bank doesn't mean a thing because a lot of times money in the bank allows preachers to make trips that they shouldn't make. I'm so glad we can't make trips all over the place. And he says there, but thou art rich. What man sees is different than what God sees. He says, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they're Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Right there in the church, there was an undermining influence that the devil was using. And I looked at this assembly, and ever so often I look for an undermining influence. Is there an undermining influence? Well, you need to stop it out. No, no, no. There needs be heresy among you, that they which are approved might be made manifest. Let the wheat and the tares grow together. Are you listening to this lesson tonight? The tear that you might be sitting next to Mr. Wheat is given for your maturity. 
When someone is putting a message in your ear, listen carefully. Because not every time an individual visits the church or an individual speaks to the church, they have the right word. And that is why saints are being deceived, because saints have a way of boosting ego. That is why I told those Jehovah's Witness people this morning, I have a way that people don't say thank you. And it's, it has helped me groan in God. Do you understand that? Negativism helps me to grow in God and develop a stability that you can't shake. And he goes on here, I'm going to finish this. And he says, they're of the sin. Can you believe in this church that God sees as one of the good ones? The synagogue of Satan was in the midst. Couldn't God destroy the synagogue of Satan? No, he left it there for a reason. Negative influences are left in the church for a reason. They're left in society for a reason. You're given negative situations in your life, so you might grow spiritually. And as you learn to defeat the negativism in your life, church attendance would improve. Your faithfulness to God would improve. I cannot force that. I just have to wait and see what God does. And maybe one day we'll just have one person left in church. I don't know. And the Lord tells Smyrna here, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. My God, it's a good church. Are they going to suffer? Yes. He says, Behold, the devil will cast some of you into prison, that they may be tried. Why do they go into prison? For the gospel, that is. That they may be tried. The fire is given to try you. And you shall have tribulation ten days. I wish God would tell us in advance what will happen. Be thou what? He says to this church, I want you not to give up faith. But like Jesus was the faithful and true witness, I want you to be faithful. How long? Everyone tell me. Be thou faithful? Until you breathe your last breath. Sister Cindy, be thou faithful unto death. Until you breathe your last breath, be faithful. Brother John, be faithful unto death. And every one of us, you might not have the best things in life, but be faithful until death. The synagogue of Satan might be knocking on your door, but be of faithful unto death. Whatever little job God has given you, be faithful in doing that and accomplish that. And I think church attendance is one job God gives, has given every one of us because it is absolutely necessary. And may God help us. May God help us to be faithful even unto death. May God raise up faithful men that they might be able to teach other faithful men also, and we might have a future because of faithful men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege you've given to us to be in church. Lord, in simple language, we ask that you'd help us to be faithful. Give us that which is necessary in our lives, Father, and help us to be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.